So uh, I'm currently living at my at my mum's at the moment, and my mum, being a mum, listens to like mum radio, right? Which, uh, if you're not familiar with BBC Radio Two, it's it's mum radio. They play old songs and they play like new songs, which are deemed sanitary enough for mums, like country music or whatever. Um, now, uh, there's a radio show on in the afternoons called Jeremy Vine, which is uh, a British talk radio show hosted by the eponymous Jeremy Vine where he just has like i've encountered this before but i've never been exposed to it on such a like long timeline and he just has like absolutely deranged phone-ins which of course at the moment are even more deranged than normal um like he was inviting uh joggers and dog walkers to phone into his show and argue with each other over who should give who more space on the pavement as part of social distancing <laughs> and like dog walkers were phoning in to complain that they had been breathed heavily on by joggers who were running past <laughs> it's all like deeply normal um but then yesterday or the day before um he he had some expert on and they were talking about um basically how we're running out of ventilators and at some point uh, doctors might have to start deciding whose lives to save, right? And so then he goes like, well, uh, one method that has been put forward is that we should save the lives of the people who are the most useful. Like if, you know, if someone's a doctor, we should save their life first. And he's like, but now we're getting to the point where a hospital cleaner is looking more useful than a chief executive. And then there was just this really long pause as I imagined all the suburban mums slowly becoming Maoists. <laughs> <laughs> suburban mums hold up half the sky yeah exactly that's right and i did a viral yeah, tweet about it and jeremy started replying to me and you know what maybe he'll come on the podcast who knows yeah inshallah maybe hey you know what jeremy vine come on the podcast and tell everyone they need to build pig iron smelters in their gardens <laughs> <laughs> why not <laughs> Hello and welcome back to this episode of TF. It's the free one. You know what it is. We're here with Sean and Andy from the Antifada podcast. It's me, Milo, and Alice. How you guys doing? Excellent. Hey, we're doing great. We are Corona casting from the Q zone. Nothing bad mm. happening <laughs> over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Q from, zone is what gets Brooklyn. activated when you smoke those really special cigarettes. <laughs> just entirely protected against Captain Trips, just podcasting. Yeah, the, the Q Zone are the cigarettes that you buy from Bill Mitchell's special business that I'm pretty sure he's about to start. Um, I found the best way if you want to farm likes and get some dopamine is to post a Steely Dan song in Bill Mitchell's mentions, and a bunch of like fascist <laughs> boomers who love gentle, like gentle uh, adult contemporary will all just be like, "Yeah, Steely Dan." <laughs> Hillary for prison. <laughs> Hillary for prison. Steely Dan for my for my boombox. Thank you very much. I forgot, Riley, that you have the gland that like makes you die when you don't get likes or attention. <laughs> right. Riley. Right. Riley is a golden retriever. That's why he understands Matt Hancock so well. <laughs> the pineal gland is supposed to open up your consciousness consciousness to the world. Whatever gland it is that makes you into like a Twitter hungry fame psychopath is like the opposite of the pineal gland. Maybe the gonads or Absolutely. something. Mm, yeah. Yo, so I was telling that bitch my pineal gland opens up my consciousness to the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was basically just like stimulating the ball sack that exists in my brain by posting steely dance songs under Bill Mitchell tweets. It rules. As one does. 
anyway, uh, I'm, I'm, I am glad to hear that you guys are doing well in Brooklyn, the epicenter of uh, coronavirus and ethical coronavirus landlords, Brooklyn. <laughs> um, no, but um, I am, uh, I, I'm, I'm once again glad to be hosting you guys. If you have not, if you're listening to this and you haven't heard the Antifada, uh, great podcast. We've been on there as a while ago. You should check it out. We were making jokes about the Lib Dems. Um, yeah. But, um, it was a more innocent time. <laughs> As opposed to the damn libs, they're American cousins. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, uh, but, so before we get into what we're going to be talking about, which is talking about some strike action, talking about uh, doing a little bit of a reading series, which we haven't done in a while, I just want to like applaud UK journalism as an institution for finally being willing to criticize the conservative government for its many catastrophic and manifold failures around testing anyone for coronavirus. All it took was thousands of preventable deaths. That's it. (laughs) And all it took was thousands of preventable deaths that could also apply to journalists. Like, the moment it was something that you can also die of when you're on the Guardian masthead, it's they're on it like that. As soon as it turned out that you could get it from licking boots, they were fucking on the case. <laughs> you have to really, really thoroughly disinfect the boot first. No, yeah, so exactly. even the Murdoch press, even the Murdoch press, the Times, um, the uh, the da- and the Daily Mail and stuff, like they've actually like come out against the government for its failure to test. The only news institution still defending the government by cutting away to a weather report when Matt Hancock was about to be grilled by a journalist on why he hasn't tested anyone, is the BBC. Hmm. They're the only government loyalists left. And you know what? We salute them. That's neutrality. No, actually, I hear there's, I hear there's one magazine left. <laughs> oh, we will get we'll to it. come to later. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Sean and Andy, just uh, for your edification, literally every single columnist who has defended, like, this government's failure to like institute proper testing to stand up enough ho- enough ventilators quickly enough to voluntarily opt out of a european-wide ventilator purchasing scheme because we missed also, an email yeah who yeah. has also been all of these journalists who have just like defended the government from scrutiny by the public wouldn't you know it they're the same people who said going to war in iraq was necessary what are the odds that's okay. interesting because in the United States, all the journalists and pundits and uh, political figures who are responsible for you know tens of thousands of American deaths and millions of Iraqi deaths, they're completely out of the picture now. We just wipe them out with a Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and they have no influence whatsoever anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, I mean, but to play devil's advocate here, if they had said and pushed for more testing or for there to not be an Iraq war and then those and then there was no Iraq war and then we had tested people and we had prevented the coronavirus from spreading no one would ever know and people would just be mad at them for <laughs> preventing the Iraq war which we all thought was going to be fun and having a stay inside when the coronavirus hadn't spread yet so it's better for a journalist to support the bad thing and then retract later mm. than to prevent the bad thing from happening. Right. Yeah, that's gross. 
What about an alternate reality where we're, we're really owned because like Iraq is now like incredibly fascist and rules the entire world and we're like, damn, should have done that Iraq war. <laughs> Maybe Saddam yeah, was the new Hitler. Yeah, I mean, Bath Party Trash Future is such a strong bit. It's exactly the same, but we all have massive <laughs> moustaches. We're all wearing a lot of medals. <laughs> yeah, it's a- if Saddam nuked us, we wouldn't be in quarantine right now. So yeah. think about that. Yeah. It's It's... What you're talking about is the man in the high tacky marble mansion. <laughs> but also, the interesting thing is, like, this doesn't track with, like, whether or not they were, like, an anti-Corbin centrist. Because, like, regardless of what you think of Marina Hyde, she's been on the right side of both these issues. So it's a different related mania that, like, there are just people who are addicted to being wrong with a huge fucking body count. And mm. uh, it's a real privilege to be able to interact with them on a daily basis and just have to... Yeah. stomach their thin-skinned unwillingness to accept mm. criticism. It, it's just the eternal sticky note of always do opposite of what Aronovich says, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's been a really sad day for them, though, because it's Jeremy Corbyn's last day in office, and they because they were too busy criticizing the government, they didn't have time for one last Jeremy Corbyn! It's true. It kind of, like, passed without without note. Uh, it's very funny. It's like, oh, this, 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 like, Maoist threat to uh, the, the free world is just, like, gone. They're just like, oh, okay. What if <laughs> Jeremy fine. Corbyn wanted to nationalize the virus? <laughs> you joke, but there were a lot of people who were saying, oh, I bet Jeremy Corbyn would want to hear both sides of the coronavirus. Uh-huh. He was like, what the, why the fuck are you paid to muddy to think and write? Yeah. I wouldn't Jeremy trust Corbyn you with a pencil. Jeremy Corbyn would have put the coronavirus on trial. Hmm. Hey, Jeremy Corbyn probably wants the coronavirus to be prime minister, in my opinion. <laughs> Jeremy uh, Corbyn, RIP. You know what? Give it a chance. Yeah. I want to talk about this. Uh, uh, mostly, I want to talk about how the coronavirus has resulted in, or at least been the precipitating incident of a wave of different kinds of strike action. Mm. Uh, in the UK, we've had cleaners doing a strike action in Lewisham, uh, uh, in Lewisham Hospital because they're just not being paid like at all. Like they were just yeah, payment was being classic withheld. strike territory there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty fucked up that the entire British bourgeoisie just signed on to. Uh, yes, we will clap for the NHS and doctors and nurses, but not contract cleaners. This clap is not for you. They had to like say that mm. aloud into a megaphone before the clap. Exactly. You actually clap in a mo- in a Morse code, which tells you who it excludes. Yeah, we we we've been clapping to like applaud the health system, uh, not raising their wages or anything. But because we're cops and we're like a nation of cops, uh, like your local area Facebook is now like someone is keeping a tally on which streets have like done well on clapping. <laughs> oh God, that sucks so bad. Good thing it's you're out so from under bad. the thumb of that uh, tyrannical EU, huh? Mm. Yeah, thank goodness. Oh god, Britain oh. is Britain is like the worst kind of hell. Like local like small town Britain where like there's like a local busybody who's like the fucking gal lighter of the neighborhood who goes around <laughs> deciding if you're patriotic enough. Oh man, it's intense. I would live in yeah. a Muslim no-go zone any day of the week over those motherfuckers. Over, over the fucking like Eastbourne local Facebook thing that's like, hmm, looks like this street hasn't been clapping very much. I bet they voted for Jeremy Corbyn. Let's all go out on the street at 11am and do aerobics. No thank you. Mm. 
but yeah, so that's that's what's been going on. There have been waves and waves and waves of people clapping for the NHS uh, who probably voted to destroy it. So thank you very much for your vibes, because that's all that counts politically, mm-hmm. evidently. But And this is more, uh, Sean and Andy, this is more your turf. Uh, there has been revolts around the, uh, the, the tech industry as well. I'm looking at specifically at people who are in like precarious contracts with companies like Instacart, who are now on strike indefinitely until they get more physical and financial protection from the, the grocery delivery platform. And at Amazon, where uh, employees in like 10 Amazon warehouses across the country have tested positive for COVID. And so workers in New York are now walking out to demand the company do more to protect them. Um, which is very cool. You know, you're uh, you're in a period of height, heightened militancy when at the Amazon warehouse on Staten Island, some guy named like Bobby Two Eyes Vafangul decided to like come <laughs> together with his coworkers and be like, you know what, we got no mess. Fuck it, we're going on strike. It's it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I'm oh, having a wet Gabagool as a mess. <laughs> I was struck very much by the video of the one Amazon guy on strike who was arguing entirely correctly, but very funnily also, that packages of dildos are not essential yes. items. <laughs> oh, wait, I, he got this, I got this mess from a guy. He said he was an interior decorator. But his house looked like shit. <laughs> uh, yes. What a show. For the first um, time but, in American history, the Italian-Americans won't be breaking the strike. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yeah. No, so re- reconnecting with those Sopranos roots. But that's not all. I want to talk mostly about Amazon, but also, it looks like the Northeastern Regional Council of Carpenters have announced a strike against non-essential construction work sites starting on Monday as well. So yeah. like, this is not just isolated to a couple of companies. It's not just isolated to high demand industries. It's not general yet, but there are multiple epicenters of not just labor strikes, but rent strikes also. And as you guys talk about this all the time, I kind of want to know if you could unpack that for us. Well, I want to address the, uh, the District Council of Carpenters situation because I am a union construction worker myself. And of all of the unions out there to start what could potentially be a general strike in the Boston metropolitan area um, based on COVID preparedness and PPE and protection, the United Brotherhood of Carpenters, that is such an incredible, incredible momentous thing because the carpenters, carpenters are known not just in Boston, but across the United States to be maybe the most conservative of all the business unions out there. But there's this really interesting dynamic because they come out of this AFL um, uh, Samuel Gompers type right wing syndicalism, which usually is like absolutely horrible. Can you just explain that for our for our listeners. Oh sure, uh, I didn't want to drone on with my usual history as a weapon shit, but no, come on, hit us, hit us. Uh, all right, part of the reason why, and this is really kind of this is a long history, but I'll try to make it short. One of the reasons why unionism is so different and weird and often backwards in the United States is because. For the majority, you know, starting in the 1870s, uh, 1880s, the majority of workers here who were organized tended to be very skilled workers like carpenters, machine, you know, machinists, this, that, and the other. And this particular very American ideology arose uh, that was a form of syndicalism. It said that workers need to use militant direct action and self-organization in order to gain what they can against the capitalist class specifically, right? It's a class struggle ideology. However, that pertains only 
to the people within our particular trade, within our particular industry. They didn't care about immigrant workers if they weren't part of the union. They didn't care about migrant workers. They didn't care about semi-skilled workers. This was, of course, most prominent coming from Samuel Gompers, who created the American Federation of Labor. It's a very, very like sort of privatized welfare system within these particular very powerful and militant unions. That is not a social unionism. It's a business unionism. So oftentimes, you know, when it comes to a minimum wage struggle, the District Council of Carpenters in, say, New York City were fighting against a living wage in the city because other workers winning a higher wage, like $15 an hour, was bad for the carpenters because they couldn't give as many benefits then to potential workers coming in. It's a very backwards looking unionism. But that same tradition, yeah, that's that same tradition of right wing syndicalism means that in Boston now, when the city and the state refuse to shut down non-essential job sites, which is, you know, luxury high rises, uh, hotels, things that absolutely aren't essential to be building right now. Uh, when they're, they're faced with a COVID outbreak, we're going on those job sites to build shit for rich people might literally kill them and those around them. It's these sort of old, old uh, craft unions with this long tradition of militancy that can stand up and have the power to stand up and say, shut it the fuck down because they've been striking for 150 years. So in this weird way, like the conservative business union is actually on the forefront now of saying, as an official union, not even as a wildcat thing, like we will shut unsafe jobs down. Very interesting dynamic. So it's it both both Mumsnet uh, like radio listeners in the U- in the UK and old old unions in the US inexplicably now Maoists. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got. I mean, if you Damn, if you're that trying was the to real a- Chinese virus all along. <laughs> no, it's just we we have to like trust the process, right? All of these people just playing the long game. Your mum listening to Radio Two, playing the long game to become a Maoist now. <laughs> if you're if you want to be a materialist about it, right? If you're if you think about like when people be, like, embrace radical politics, in a lot of cases, it's because they see that they have no current way out within the confines of what's acceptable. Like I think I think that the one of the major reasons I, this is probably not controversial that like millennial socialism is a concept even is the fact that we're all we the, the defining events of our lives the things that structured what we consider common sense are were essentially the Iraq war and the financial crisis. And so I think it's un, it's unsurprising that these like people who are relatively traditionally conservative but who've been made precarious who've been put in danger um by the, the the world we live in and by the circumstances we live in that of course it's natural for them to turn towards a more radical politics which is you know good yeah well, people yeah, people I'll, find I'll, themselves take it yeah asking things like what is to be done uh you know yeah. things of that nature like whenever you when every landlord gets a rent holiday and it, it gets a mortgage holiday rather and every tenant is um is being told they still have to pay up unless they meet like 17 different means testing criteria, you begin to ask yourself, well, what's my landlord really doing for me? The, the freedom that's always given to the working class is either to work or to starve. And it's been very easy to kind of paper over that uh, because, you know, if you if your job really sucks and like like if you work for Whole Foods, for instance, which also has this potential strike wave coming and Amazon buys it and uh, lays off like a bunch of people and makes your job way harder. Um, you just have to do it because they'll just say, oh, if you don't like it, quit. Go work somewhere else. 
Um, but now there is no somewhere else. It's like you have to keep working and you have to risk getting sick to do it and you have to potentially make other people sick to do it or you starve. And that's just the only option being given to all these now essential workers. Like we were just so used to making their lives harder and harder and harder. Uh, like, and that that's, that's true for every essential worker job. Like truckers now have to work way more hours, like a dangerous number of hours longer. And there's just no option to stop doing it because they're essential workers. And even when they're talking about striking online, the comments are all people saying, how dare you not work anymore? Even though they're saying we want to keep working, but we want hazard pay, we want sick pay. So now it's becoming so obvious to everybody that your choice is to work or to starve. Um, to everybody who's still working, that is. And, if I may uh, play devil's advocate, <laughs> if there's any group of people that I want at the wheel of vehicles, which you know weigh ten tons or more and like are vital to the continuance of our civilization, I want those people to be really, really sleepy. I think that's an important <laughs> uh, thing. <laughs> they should be as tired as possible. We got to legalize speed for truckers. That's the only way yeah. to. Yeah. I, I, I keep thinking about the text messages people have been like sharing with their landlord and stuff, and it, it really is true. There is no hiding place for this stuff anymore. There's no more superstructure, uh, and like you can tell because uh, just to circle back to the media for a second, like the only people still trying to do the superstructure stuff are the most feckless of all, the fucking BBC. Uh, everybody and the Democrats else, and yeah. labor on, and like Starmer's labor. Yeah, exactly. Useless, and, useless peripheral uh, people we can ignore. Yeah. Um, yeah the, the, the Democrats, do, their strategy being live, laugh, love now with Nancy yeah, Pelosi's most recent Joe press Biden's <laughs> coronavirus strategy is like. I'm. I'm gonna. We're gonna defeat the virus together by togetherness with together <laughs> by defeating the virus by coming together in order to defeat the virus. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That's, that's awesome. Right. Biden's gonna change the virus to a fight with flick knives. No, I've been thinking. Look, you know, I've been talking about this for a while. I've been. I've been thinking like intrusive thoughts hourly about the uh, Budweiser "What's Up" commercials. We're all uh, handling quarantine very differently. <laughs> And we're we're all you know I think we <laughs> that's that's essentially the, uh, the the strategy is we're all gonna say was up to one another on the phone and that's how we're gonna beat the virus by coming together. It's the same thing with labor where they're just like oh when Starmer's leader we're gonna finger wag at all of your all of your reckless spending. And it's like yeah the only reason they're still supporting the neoliberal consensus is that they're all losers. Losers. Very nasty people, very nasty guys. Do you have the trend in England of politicians telling us to do mutual aid? Hmm. Uh, very, very little. Like, some in Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon did a bit of that, and was like, go sign up and volunteer and stuff. But, like, yeah. by and large, no. Yeah, and do mutual clap. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the clap is as close as it's, as we've gotten to mutual <laughs> yeah. aid. And even then, that's mostly because we can, like, call the cops on ourselves for not clapping enough. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's all about get the clap. The hospitals are overburdened. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's about sniffy bourgeois social, uh, social performance. Like, the... Like the coming out of your house to clap thing, right? It's, it's mm. about showing how... Because we're all in it together, the Blitz spirit. It's really just everyone's suffering and no one's groaning about it. The, the, the which bloody is like, queen is going to like address yeah. the nation. Uh, yeah, to, to, it's, to it's, say it's that, pure. You know, the queen yeah. is going to tell uh, all everybody in Britain to stay hydrated. To wash yeah. your hands. She, she's just going to go out there and be like, I've COVID, Bazinga. I want to talk a little <laughs> more about uh, Amazon. 
because uh, there is a lot has come out about this that uh, Amazon has fired uh, the lead organizer, a guy called Chris Smalls, or at least one of the organizers who's now been painted as the lead in the media, uh, was fired on the basis that he was, quote, flouting rules around self-isolation. And it just so happens that he was a leading figure of the uh, Amazon union movement. Huh. Huh. What are the chances? To be Mm. fair, Amazon have been really ahead of the curve on self-isolation because each of their workers works in a little individual cage, which is a really good (laughs) safety feature. (laughs) So uh, basically, to to start this story, uh, Amazon is keeping people working in tight conditions with insufficient safety gear, uh, the same story, exactly what you'd expect Amazon to be doing. And it's all being defended by a bunch of former Obama administration fucking freaks and yeah, vampires. Jay Carney, who used yeah. to be Obama's mm-hmm. press Jay secretary, Carney. is now Amazon's, I think, like, SVP of public relations. It's and doing fucked. straight union busting. Yeah. Yes. And, so, of course, I, I, they're not even good at it because they can't keep a fucking secret. And so, <laughs> immediately, within five minutes of Jay Carney replying to Bernie with, hmm, actually, he was violating the coronavirus protocols, someone who was in that meeting, and I'm not picturing a mysterious Jay Carney-shaped informant here, leaked to fucking everybody the minutes in which Amazon's uh, head of legal was just like, hey, yes. this guy, this guy, he's not so smart, he's not so articulate, let's smear him. And that's almost <laughs> verbatim. <laughs> yes, let's, let's do a, let, let's union bust. Anyone want a union yeah. bust? Union, union busting is when I masturbate on company time. <laughs> <laughs> Here is his side. He wrote this and published it in The Guardian. I think American Guardian, because the British Guardian would probably be on Jay Carney's <laughs> side. Hmm. Don't be too busy checking his genitals. I decided to start spreading awareness among the workers in the building. Oh, this, I have is, meetings this is Chris com- Small's side, not Jay Carney's. Yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris Small's, yeah. I have meetings in the common areas, and dozens of workers joined us to talk about their concerns. People were afraid. We went to the general manager's office to demand that the building be closed down so it could be sanitized. We wanted to be paid during the duration of that time. And uh, another demand of ours was that people who can't go to work because of underlying health conditions be paid. Number one, Bezos has done so much for us. How dare they? Mm. So th- th- this guy who is like not that smart, not that articulate, apparently, yeah. just has a, so, a, f- a fairly reasonable set of grievances here, right? Yeah. But he, uh, does, he and- does not have a communications degree. Ah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. He should have got one of those he before needs a he started shop. thinking about like, yeah. He needed the Pod Save Johns to like <laughs> workshop the can you sanitize the, the fucking distribution center. Can we do some bets on which one of the pod Johns is going to end up being like a union busting CEO in the next five years? <laughs> um, I mean, I I, th- I think they all they all are going to. I'm surprised that like Pod Save America hasn't like I don't had Jay Carney on to talk about the abuse he's received from Chris Smalls and Bernie Sanders. Let's give him oh, some yeah. credit though; they're not the Young Turks. Yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, Alice, you mentioned this call. Uh, Mm -hmm. Here is what the uh, lawyer actually said. We should spend the first part of our response. uh, Remember, this is the response to someone who's saying, hey, we don't want to die to continue working so we don't starve, right? During a global pandemic where we have been uh, marked as essential workers. Here is what what their response was. Uh, We should spend the first part of our response strongly laying out the case for why the organizer's conduct was immoral, unacceptable, and arguably illegal in detail, and only then follow with the usual talking points about worker safety. 
Yeah, the trouble was <laughs> the way you... he organized the strike failed to believe women. <laughs> I mean, if you get a law degree and you use it to say a sentence like, we should spend the first part of our response strongly laying out the case for why the organizer's conduct was immoral, unacceptable, and arguably illegal in detail, then you should be absolutely disbarred by, like, I'm struggling to find a way to phrase this. Also, surely yeah. they're just doing the PR person's job. Uh, so, the, 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 Amazon, the Amazon people continue. Make him the most interesting part of our story, and if possible, make him the entire face of the entire union organizing movement. Well, you know what, Amazon? Congratulations. You did it. Hmm. You've made this, this organizer who you have basically like publicly decided to do a smear campaign of union busting against the face of the organizing movement because everyone's seen how much you basically don't care if your workers live or die when you put, them to the, when you put the choice to them to either, you know... Uh, work and don't starve, but also probably die from coronavirus. I love the idea of them just making him the most interesting part of the story by just making him sound really interesting. Like, oh, did you hear these? He was the third man ever to climb Everest, and he's actually read every single German published book in existence. Usually crucifying someone just makes them go away forever. (laughs) (laughs) Did this meeting fucking take place in the Republican National Convention castle from The Simpsons? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hit me with that thunder, please. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously, obviously, the Amazon guy did some damage control here, right? Uh, of course. Uh, he the the lawyer said his comments were quote personal and emotional. He had a heated <laughs> gaming moment. Small lawyer, small bean lawyer, <laughs> just like taking off the gaming headset and like throwing it at my mounted law degree. <laughs> so wait, uh, he's uh, like he's um he's the Logan Paul apology video after the infamous uh, J- Japanese hanging incident. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. Sean, Sean, the Sean and Andy, Sean and Andy, I want to throw to you guys again. What what do, what do you make of this as uh, union busting tactics? Saying I'm sorry, I busted a union. I've been under a lot of pressure right now at home. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an emotional time for all of us. Who's among us has not wanted to bust a union in this on these difficult uh, days? Um, yeah, like kind of branching off what Andy was talking about before with workers uh, now deemed essential directly facing their conditions. What's happening at Amazon and Instacart and all and Uber and all these other quote unquote gig economy jobs is the culmination of 30, 40 years of the undermining and the hollowing out of American labor law. Because remember, um, these workers are in these precarious positions, not just for like economic reasons, but because corporations have tried for decades and succeeded in doing things like um, undermining the power of the National Labor Relations Board, which is supposed to rule on things like Jay Carney um, firing a guy for alleged safety violations when it's really just a union busting thing. The NLRA is supposed to come in and say, like, no, actually, that's illegal. You have to reinstate him. You're blocking union activity. The NLRB doesn't really do that much anymore. So Jay Carney and, and, and people like that at Amazon and elsewhere have been able to get away for so long with doing things like they did to Chris Small. Uh, union busting in various ways that they're shocked now that they, th- because this is in the headlines and because these workers are so needed that all of a sudden they can't get away with it like they used to. I mean, of course, 
Carney is like was particularly stupid in the minutes of this meeting. He should have said at the end, "Don't le- don't uh, leak the minutes of this meeting." But <laughs> yeah, still, uh, if, if you say that, they can't, can't leak it. Yeah. It's like, he are you a, a cop? He had to ask every. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you are just you do the like boomer like, Facebook thing. You like under the Treaty of Rome. I do not give permission <laughs> for any of my content to be shared by the like World Health Organization. <laughs> I love, I love that fucking that fucking, some Obama administration just fucking scumbag trying to get a DMCA takedown because he said it's actually a song that he was writing. (laughs) Whoever leaked this meeting is the third third instance in this episode of like uh, just somebody just turning Maoist, of going Maoist mode. (laughs) Some member of the board of directors. Yeah. What? It's kind of it's surprising. Just like, so some Amazon like uh, fucking attorney or something just wearing the Mao hat in the meeting. It's kind of surprising uh, that Jay Carney is taking the heat for this because like I remember maybe this time last year they had this like army of fake Amazon picker employees. Oh yeah, Twitter accounts. The, the ambassadors. They would just respond to every comment saying, "Oh, that's not true. I'm a woman of color with five children, and I love Amazon." <laughs> Every day I love Amazon. And it's just like very <laughs> fake, but I guess, but I, I that was their strat. That's their strategy for everything. It's just like automate everything, robotize everything. If we still have to use humans in some way, um, just try to like gamify it as much as possible so they stop like thinking and acting like humans until eventually we can replace them. But now they're they've reached a point where it's like, well, they ran out of time. They weren't able to replace these essential workers with robots, so. Uh, they have no other option than just work them to death because if they make things better for these workers, then they're just going to have to like stay better and they won't be able to have an excuse to place them with robots whenever they have the chance. So they're in this awkward situation where they do like, oh, I guess you guys do have to die to work here. I don't know what else to tell you. You don't have to die to work here, but it helps. <laughs> I, I, for one, think it's extremely good PR when I have employees lined up saying, I really like my job at Amazon. I do not understand the grievances of the other workers. I would also like to clarify that my family are not being held against their will. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, it's like, what, in terms, one of the greatest assets the American labor movement has in this time of its precarity is that its enemies are like the Jay Carneys of the world. <laughs> yeah, they are just, so dumb. Just, just massive simpletons who've been tricked into thinking that they're smart by Ivy League schools and rules. Well, the tech industry in particular has been a way to either arbitrage labor or to undermine labor protections. Like you saw that with the move of from cab drivers to Uber drivers, right? And they're so fucking stupid. These people are so dense and dumb and full of stupid fucking degrees that like all these libs out in Silicon Valley, like Carney, who are their spokespeople, don't even realize what they've done. They think they're being efficient and innovating. They don't even realize they're not even smart enough to realize that they fucked over millions and millions of American workers and they should probably keep that quiet, you know? <laughs> yeah. They're proud of it. They're proud of it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> they, they've gotten cookies for it this thus far, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. everything everything that they've done in their entire lives has led them to the belief that this this is a success. This is what success looks like looks like. You should brag about that success and everyone will be very pleased with you. Listen, you people are all dinosaurs. You probably eat pizza that wasn't made in the back of the delivery van. <laughs> oh god, ambulance is a fucking growth uh, is like is going to be doing so well out of this. I'm going to close this section by saying one more thing that uh, this Amazon doofus has said. Uh, This is their general counsel. 
I let my emotions draft my words and got the better of me. <laughs> That's right. It was an emotion. It, it was an emotion involved union busting. <laughs> no, that's literal. There's an app that translates your emotions into uh, business actions. Mm. <laughs> There's a really important underlying and historical dyna- dynamic to understand in this moment because it's not just that the contradictions, as it were, are becoming heightened. It's not just that tens of millions of people who were basically said that they were detritus are now considered to be essential to the working of the economy. It's not just that it's all hands on deck. Right. For, for those people. And they're working egregious, crazy hours just to keep society running. It's also a real um, coming to terms with a kind of labor market, the kind of uh, economy that the United States has created over the last 40 years or so. These precarious workers in these uh, independent contractor or gig type jobs um, have been on their way to a complete penury for years and years and years, and it's been getting worse. One thing, however, that gives me some hope is that, and this is going to be very controversial, right? But if you look at the dynamic with these like semi or unskilled workers who are highly replaceable, who are highly mobile, you know, across the economy and geographically, it is a very, very, very similar situation to what you saw in the late 19th and early 20th, early 20th century with militant uh, social industrial unions arising, similar to the industrial workers of the world. Eh? Yeah, eh? bringing the wobblies back. It's wobbly time. So people think that the wobblies were good just because they were militant. They think that the wobblies uh, arrived sui generis, you know, deus ex machina with this kind of militant communist unionism. But what the IWW reflected and why they became so popular and so powerful after 1905 was they represented workers who were, similar to gig workers, disposable and replaceable and highly precarious. We're talking about uh, lumberjacks, you know, who have to move around from place to place and get a job uh, wherever the the work was possible, most of them immigrants. Uh, Miners, you know, which was a very, very dangerous... Skate around with butter on their feet on a gigantic skillet. (laughs) (laughs) You're talking about longshoremen, who before the growth of those unions was a very dangerous, precarious, low-paying industry. The thing that made the IWW the IWW was that these workers who are on the margins, who are on the edges of the capitalist economy uh, became super central to that. And they started to realize their strength and their power. And a mobile militant industrial unionism was the way that you could take your red card from being a lumberjack in the wintertime to go pick tomatoes in the summertime and go be a longshoreman in the fall time while keeping your rights as a working class person. So I don't see any reason why, except for ideology and the power of the ruling class, that coming out of this gig work could not create something that looked like a very agile and a very militant and potentially very powerful uh, new kind of wobbly type movement right now. We're already seeing traces of that, like uh, groups like the IWGB. uh, I was going to say the IWGB. Even like uh, the IVW, the the IWW itself still is like a thing and they're still trying to organize exactly those kind of precarious workers. Yeah. so yeah, who, who can say? We don't know, but that would be, uh, yeah. I, I think we can see some kind of like stirrings of that. And the thing is that this is one of those weeks where decades are happening. So by the time this comes out, this will be all completely woefully out of date. And yeah. Oh oh yeah. 
all, all of all of the unions will have like take been taken in by like Enoch Powell from the moon. <laughs> It'll suck. <laughs> or just I've gone straight a, Maoist. I've had a realization recently about I think why all the jobs are so shit. Because uh, so uh, some like real heads of the show will know this. Uh, I went to business school kind of as a joke. Um, and what I realized was the real joke was on me because business school is nonsense. But uh, what I did, what I did, Why learn did I spend school, 700 pounds on this Joker face makeup? <laughs> uh, they didn't give me anything of that higher dollar value. Um, no, the really, the really like useful thing I learned at business school is like how insane all of the principles like the modern economy are founded on. And one of the things we were like, one of our lecturers was like a jumped up former management consultant and she was really into like all of this like Japanese management consultancy bullshit where like you take like a basic concept like not wasting shit and then give it a Japanese name and charge people like $400 an hour to explain it to them. Um, anyway, and so but what's happened with all these kind of companies have been introducing all this like Japanese don't waste anything shit that kind of works in Japan because the Japanese are really organized but in the West just makes everything shitty they're just like oh well uh having loads of workers is waste so we're just gonna fire like 40 percent of the workers and make the rest of the workers do all the jobs and also having any inventory is waste so we're not gonna keep any inventory and then if there's any spikes in demand blah, i guess we're in a crisis and like you just <laughs> letting your workforce get the coronavirus is exactly like that japanese thing where you break the cup and then you solder it back together <laughs> Well, I think the great analog to that is we're seeing the results of the United States healthcare system where we're doing, we've been doing just in time medicine for the last 20 years with no mm. reserves of ventilators or doctors or nurses. Or like creeping privatization in the UK where we have uh, like 30 ventilators that we just built and the BBC newsreader kind of had a, a panic attack live on the air when she realized it said 30 and not 30,000. <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah. She's like, hang on, sorry, are my, are my eyes deceiving me? <laughs> um, and then she's like, oh, wait a minute, no, of course. I, the, the government said 30. The BBC ever gonna do rules 30. so much. It, it, if you wanted to know what it's like to sit through like state broadcasting in a really shit dictatorship, that's exactly what it is right now. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the BBC newsreader just going, wait, does that say 30? And then just Swan Lake comes on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, all right. Um, here's the thing. I, I want to, with the time we have left, uh, I'd like to move on to doing something we haven't done in a while. We are about to f do a reading of a, an article by Toby Young. Friend of the uh, show. Every, mm -mm -mm. Everybody's, show. Everybody's, favorite, everybody's favorite free school moron. Uh, the guy who, if you'll remember, um, got fired from his, like, university industry sinecure because he couldn't stop like tweeting about, about like, yeah. like wanting to fuck people in the ass and like se secret eugenics meetings yeah. which sounds much cooler well not cooler but like more uh, aesthetically evil than it probably was where it was just a bunch of like sad bald nerds in a room together being like actually mm. I think my brain pan's quite good yeah <laughs> Um, I, I would describe Toby Young, if you're not familiar with him, as a samurai of the mind. 
Like, yeah. he truly has one of the most powerful brains to ever be created. There is nothing he won't think. There is no, like, the one thing I'll always say about Toby Young, which is amazing, is that whenever he's in the news for any reason and they contact his friends for, like, comment, they all go on the record, but only to say, I am not friends with Toby Young. <laughs> you, you know what Toby Young is? You know those memes where the, there's, like, the guy with the, like, giant brain that's, like, drawn into a shape? Except is the shape there is like the samurai helmet with the horns. I don't know what Toby Young sounds like, but he looks like a Mark Proch character. Oh, I can do Toby Young. Well, um, the thing that you've got to bear in mind with this kind of measure is that um, how big will it make your dick? <laughs> so he is he has written he has written this article in a new like apolitical commentary magazine um, that has run ca- called the Critic. Yeah, the 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 ISIS to unheard's Al Qaeda. Run columns recently, including the title, Twitter Trolls Disprove the Myth of Intrinsic Goodness. Um, a masterful Damn. tombstone for a true Tudor bu- bruiser. And uh, men beware women. So the, the creators of this magazine saw Quillette and were like, wait, hold my beer. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, what they've only just Quillette, discovered that women like be less- shopping and they need to warn you. <laughs> what what if we did Quillette, but with like just less mask offness and more uh, of just every, every, every problem being community? Yeah, it's it's simp Quillette. <laughs> uh, so, of course, Toby Young has written an article entitled "Has the Government Overreacted to the Coronavirus Crisis?" Um. Yeah, sure. Why not? Why? Cool. You could say, have the police overreacted to the coronavirus crisis by just inventing new laws by which to detain people? Sure. Has the Home Office overreacted to the coronavirus crisis by putting, immigra- by putting migrants in detention centers where they're almost certain to get coronavirus? Absolutely. But has the government overreacted to the coronavirus crisis by, like, stopping the economy for a little while and giving people free money? Toby Young is going to say yes. It's been very bad with the police because previously I used to get away with saying I was English by coughing as I said it, but now that only makes things worse. (laughs) So let's, uh, let's begin the article. Like a growing number of people, I'm beginning to suspect the government has overreacted to the coronavirus crisis. Mm. How how much growing? (laughs) Growing number of divorced people. (laughs) So here's the thing. That's good writing. If you pose a question in the headline, you should answer it in the first line. Mm. Has the government overreacted to the coronavirus crisis? Yes. <laughs> well, not even not even yes, but many people are saying it's yes. being talked about more and more. I think uh, not- I think it's empirically a shrinking number because for a, like for months people thought it wasn't a big deal, and now people are beginning to realize it is. So how can that be changing? Mm. Listen, a lot of people are saying it. Beautiful people, very smooth heads. Corona- coronavirus response no longer hot. Toby Young experiences the world purely in relation to Toby Young. Uh, so he's, he, he's, his brain resets every morning. The number of voices in his head are growing by the day. Like Akira. <laughs> and they all have the same irritating voice. Okay. He surveyed okay, one okay. person, Toby Young, and it returned a result of 100%. <laughs> so, uh, if, even if we accept the statistical uh, modeling of the team at Imperial College, spending 350 billion pounds to prolong the lives of just a few hundred thousand mostly old people is an irresponsible use of taxpayer money. 
<laughs> there it you is. You are a demon right at the a top. Few You're a few hundred yeah. thousand. A few hundred thousand. Mostly elderly. A few hundred thousand. Mostly. Only that a few mostly, hundred thousand. That mostly does a lot of work. <laughs> and, and a few. Is, uh, a few hundred thousand. <laughs> like three or four. Um, a mere. <laughs> it has a deeply uh, Herman Goering at his Nuremberg trial vibe. No, you know what it is? It's Doctor Strange love. I'm not saying that we won't get our hair must, but I'm talking 10, 20 million tops. It's funny because we're going to start measuring coronavirus deaths literally in mega deaths. You know, what mega death was created for, which is a million deaths. We haven't started using that sort of uh, quantitative shit since the Cold War, but now we're going to be start talking about corona mega deaths. We're back, baby. Oh, I, thought, I thought we were going to use the band Megadeth. I don't know how many people are in that, but I figured it might not be as convenient a unit. So uh, let's get into the article uh, because where Toby Young basically says, using taxpayers' money to preserve the lives of taxpayers? Shocking. Uh, that may sound cold-hearted. Yeah. Uh, no, it sounds mm. dumb as hell. Uh, but this isn't a straightforward trade-off between public health and economic health. Because people are killed by economic downturns just as surely as they are by pandemics. <laughs> yep. it's must, the, what downturn, are you going to do about that, Toby? Must preserve line. It's the downturn that does it. No, no, none of the relationships that exist around the context of the downturn. Nope. When GDP goes down, people just drop dead for no reason. So wait, is is Toby Young, free market libertarian, just advocating for a planned economy here because Ooh. economic <laughs> downturns kill people? The only way, as we know, to keep uh, economic crises from happening is abolishing capitalism. So he's clearly mm. he's clearly on it. Once <laughs> uh, four, Maoist count up to four. Toby, Toby Young just thinks that under normal circumstances, the main deaths are when the economy crashes and just like stockbrokers jump out of their windows. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Those guys um, were my friends. <laughs> my last there's, ones. Uh, there's only two ways to die in the Toby Young mind palace. It's stockbroker jumping out of window or regrettable old person. <laughs> Toby, well, also, Toby like can only say that dead people are his friends, otherwise it's libel. <laughs> so, 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 so. Um, I also like the thing he's doing here as well, which is like, uh, yeah, I, 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 that's it. You know, it's uh, you couldn't possibly have done anything else about it. Uh, every all everything had to happen the way that it did. No other choices could have been made. He's basically a Calvinist without being too, with well, being too dumb to realize it. Anyway, he goes into some like two pages worth of calculations, uh, which is basically just scholasticism, angels dancing on the head of a pin shit. Um, yeah, wheeling says, out my actuarial tables here to yeah. look at exactly how many thousands of old people will die. Yeah, yeah if there's I, one thing we associate Toby Young with, it's it's mathematical and statistical mastery. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, at the simplest, the government has valued every human life at one million five hundred twenty-one thousand seven hundred forty pounds. Which is three hundred and fifty billion divided by two hundred and thirty thousand, the amount of people that we're trying to save by locking down. Showing your That's working, that, very good, Toby. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I also love Gold that. Star. Yeah, it's you, it, you. It doesn't seem ridiculous to like have that forty in there. Like what? <laughs> the, the, it's a it, the, like the fact that it is as precise to the pound as seven hundred and forty should show you that measuring human life with a currency is just not a concept yeah, just, that works. Just, just knock the off the forty, and then you have like a human life. Plus, you can get FIFA. 
<laughs> this this article is already uh, it has to turn like millions of people into Chris Arthur value form theorists with how perverted and twisted it is that this commodity logic is inserted into the worth of a, of a human life. This article has to create thousands or hundreds of thousands of left comms. <laughs> Just the armchair growing around me as I read. <laughs> by, by this logic. There is a certain monetary value that will be worth the obliteration of all life on Earth. Otherwise, at some point, you have to decide that yeah, no, uh, that 1, no 000, value of money hmm. is going to be worth this particular action. There's, it contains there's, what, that contradiction there at the end of it. People, uh, so seven billion <laughs> multiplied by, and what did he say? One million. Uh, Five hundred twenty-one thousand seven hundred and forty. Yeah. So, so for merely one point zero six five two two e one five dollars or pounds. <laughs> by that point, it doesn't matter. We could just fucking just ob obliterate all human life. <laughs> oh, and also, this is one more reason. This is one more reason to make the money machine go burr. Because if we could inflate the cost of a human life, these ruling class ghouls might, might not be as likely to fucking get us killed. That's true, yeah. Uh, just just yeah. walking around the warehouse, like, you have to sanitize it, because if I die, you owe somebody, like, the universe in the abstract about a billion dollars. <laughs> Literally, the gods of the market. That's why Bezos... Yeah, it's basically like tossing people into a volcano so the market doesn't get mad at you. Like, this is one of the reasons that the movie Apocalypto is probably one of the most prophetic ever made. I just love the idea of the invisible hand of the market just reaching down, but it's doing the, like, rubbing its fingers together to indicate money. <laughs> I mean, uh, you guys so are saying you guys are saying this is ridiculous, but the next time you're planning, like, a vacation to the Portuguese coast... And you're trying to decide between a three and four star hotel, and you're checking your bank account, and be like, eh, "I kind of wish we rubbed off some more pensioners." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, c I could have an extra million in that easily. Ha Harold Shipman must have been so fucking rich. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, here's how here's the methodology. Wait, he's this doing this literally this is just the Venn diagram circle of Toby Young and Harold Shipman. <laughs> like, oh, they're old. We're going to save the health service some money. Here is the logic by which uh, Toby Young is sort of making this calculation. He basically says, look, that each life actually ought to be valued at about half a million pounds. So about one third of what the government currently is doing. <laughs> that math I did, forget about it. You're worth worth less than that. <laughs> yeah. He does say here, now, reader, I think you're worth more than that. Winky emoji. Yeah. The girl reading <laughs> yeah, this. Is worth more. The girl. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's here's the logic that he uses. He says the National Institute for Clinical Excellence, or NICE, uh, places a value of up to thirty thousand pounds on each quality adjusted life year, or quali. So, how many qualies will the government be adding to those people whose lives would otherwise be lost to coronavirus if the lockdown hadn't been imposed? Quali was a much spending. darker Pixar film about a little robot that has to decide who lives and who dies. Love to imagine. For, love to imagine a Logan's Run future where somebody's going to off me when I get too many qualies. 
but that's what qualies is like a common concept when you're doing economic al- analysis of social policy. It's reg- it's like regrettable that it exists, but it's not something Toby Young yeah, it's, invented. It's, it's, like, it's the it's thing common. that like Sarah Palin called death panels, right? Is that if, <laughs> if like, you have to ration how much you're spending on care, then eventually you have to be like, this thing costs too much for too little benefit. It's it's not inherently sociopathic. He's just making it so. Well, basically, like it's like it's like battlefield medicine and triage is not inherently sociopathic. What's inherently sociopathic is doing it when it's not necessary to do so, just yeah. because you have to Th- like that's maintain just eugenics, the illusion, which is Toby's to, favorite thing. Because you have to maintain the illusion that literally everything is currency fungible, hmm. and like this is why the concept of qualies like just gets the eugenic set so stiffed up is because it's like, well, we can decide when the state should off you because your life, you're no longer worth keeping alive. Like, the fact that it's a crisis doesn't really bear on the logic of are you worth keeping alive or not? And it goes back to like, at what point is it profitable to just like obliterate the earth? Yeah, and that's exactly it, right? Like, they love to pretend that this is objective. The, The doctors, the people at NICE who like, Come up with this stuff. Know for a fact that it isn't. That's why you have arguments about medical et- medical medical ethics. Medical <laughs> Changing ethics. Changing the group DM chat now. It's just a bunch of toothless guys. <laughs> yeah. Decide. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure this meth is very ethical. <laughs> <laughs> but all I'm Sorry, saying is on, that this Alice. this stuff is 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 mutable. Uh, it is it is not considered to be objective by any practitioner in any of the related fields. It on, only a big fucking brain samurai like this could be like, oh, well, that's if that's what a human life is worth, then I simply plug that into my big calculator, and uh, there's how many old people should die. I just like to point out how I taught I I, I intuited the overlap between this magazine and uh, Quillette. When we see now that qualies are a eugenicist uh, methodology. Mm. Oh yeah, I was gonna say you knocked it out the fucking park there. <laughs> uh, but actually, I wanted to I wanted to throw back to you guys as well, just to like again, if if you just to uh, unpack this a little more, kind of from the uh, antifada labor standpoint as well. Not not necessarily from the from the labor standpoint, but I'd say from more like a sociological standpoint. What Toby Young is trying here in the UK was tried several weeks ago in the United States by um, pundits on like the conservative right, many libertarians, people like Reason Magazine, uh, and even some liberals and many, many CEOs talking about how it's not worth the economic damage. It's not worth the quote unquote deaths that would come from an economic downturn in order to shut the economy down. What these people are facing for the first time in their stupid fucking lives is a situation that there is no technical fix for. This isn't an mm. either or thing because you either socially isolate people now, socially distance people now, so you flatten the curve and make less de- less deaths happen now, or you let the thing run its course. Either which way, the economy is going to shit. Do you think the US or UK or Chinese or any economy is going to be thriving? It's going to go back to quote unquote normal if you've just got 100,000 people dropping dead every fucking day in workplaces and on the streets all over the country. These people can't understand it, that it's not, there's no option. There's no option here between saving the economy and saving people's lives from coronavirus. But I think some of these people are also kind of prescient that the economy has thrived for uh, forever, but especially for the last few, a few decades on uh, 
making making death and uh and like the devaluation of human life very normal with like i mean just with the the creeping up of the retirement age for example like it it's become it's normalizing more the idea that once you retire your life no longer has any value or if you can't work you're on welfare like you're you're a parasite on the economy and basically the economy the 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 vitality of the economy is becomes what's most important right. so when when people are thinking about ventilators uh, they're thinking about it in terms of ventilating the economy keeping the economy breathing and keeping people breathing is only useful if we're talking about workers if we're talking about people like who will work at these at a continued rate of exploitation because also when you're talking about keeping the economy going so people don't die what you're actually talking about is making the making the continued uh, existence of workers as like living people still profitable for the uber wealthy that's actually mm. what you're talking about because when the economy yeah, how, contracts, how many how many lives are saved by us maintaining the divine rise of kings if we lose that then you know who many uh, how many people might die of like hopelessness that there isn't a king ordained slave, by god slave owners yeah, had a direct the- material incentive for keeping the slaves alive by feeding them enough and mm-hmm. housing them and giving them clothes whereas capitalists they don't care they let the social reproduction be outsourced to outside of the workplace slave owners actually care about slaves because they're their property, which is literally, literally what slave ideologists were saying in the South in the 1850s and 1860s. I'm just yeah. imagining the tweet now, like the kind of like the moral landlord, like the moral slave owner, like, well, I actually feed my slaves pretty well. And I'd like to see them feed themselves but, but that well. You don't, but you don't have to imagine that. That's literally what the argument yeah. was. That, that, and so yeah, it's, that's it's a real same, guy. That's a lot of yeah, guys. That's a real guy. That's a normal, that's a, that was a real person. He now owns a jet ski dealership. And the analog <laughs> here about the idea that just the economy contracting is fatal for people because imagines that the, the economy is just some kind of god and we can appease him by throwing qualies into a fucking volcano until we get enough tokens back that say, yes, fine, you've killed enough retirees, have a wider TV. Mm. Ironically, um, they so are killing I, off their own voter base. Uh, so I would, I'll, I'll carry on here. Well, that's the thing also, Milo, they're not killing off their own voter base because their voter base is not just old people, it's wealthy older people. But it's also because, like, voting is done. Like, whatever you think of it, voting is not a thing that matters anymore. Uh, But, like, I I, I think also we can talk about, like, I know I keep bringing this back to the press, but journalists are the stupidest people on earth. And so it's been very funny watching them be the slowest on the uptake of this. And so I forget which BBC journalist it was, but one of them said, "Oh well, of course the the Conservative Party wouldn't want to like endanger elderly people because that's that's really their that's their base. It would be immensely unpopular with them." And I just I, re- I remember reading that and thinking, "Oh, you sweet summer child, <laughs> um, no one will murder yeah, me can- because that would be illegal." <laughs> <laughs> so some people reading this will think, "I bet Toby Young changes his tune if he gets the virus." But in fact, I did get no, the virus. No, no. I became, I became symptomatic. Lips. I became symptomatic seven days ago. I've been bedridden ever since, and I'm now anxiously waiting to see if the disease spreads to my lungs. But I'm <laughs> 56. Now feels like a 19th century Gothic novel. I anxiously yeah. await to see if the pestilence will this spread is, onto my lungs. The, the most, the most Toby Young thing would be to get coronavirus in order to win a theoretical argument with libs. He says his odds are good because he has no underlying health conditions and he's 56, so prayers up for Toby. 
Um, Mm. But if the government followed my advice, and it turns out by the time I require urgent care that the NHS cannot accommodate me, I won't regret writing this. Yeah, you will. (laughs) Yes, you absolutely fucking will. No, you, no, actually, you no, no, you you're cr- right, you're right. He won't regret writing it because no one will have read it anyway. He knows that him writing this has no influence on the situation. <laughs> the only people that read this is us. You know what it reminds me of is Christopher Hitchens' atheism when he was dying, of being like, well, yeah, you say that you're not scared, but nobody can fucking prove you wrong once you die, right? So, who gives a shit? Just been like, yeah. You you just left this behind of being like, no, actually, I was right, <laughs> and then get owned immediately. Uh, yes, I probably have at least twenty years of healthy living ahead of me, so my life is worth more than five hundred thousand pounds. I don't know about that. So he's like, actually, actually, you're owned because I am worthwhile. So they would have to save me because of logic. <laughs> if if I like, got the coronavirus, I would simply survive. <laughs> you, you know, there's always like the obverse to the bourgeois ideology, and in this case, I think we need a people's quality or like a proletarian quality, mm. which rates how much people are worth based on their class position. And in that case, Toby Young's life is worth la- way less than half a million. Uh, quid. Yeah, we 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 adjust for like number of columns written. <laughs> <laughs> I love to think that Toby Young wrote this whole article and got to the bottom and then worked out and was alarmed that his life was only worth £500,000 and then went back to the bit where it said 1.5 million and just added in, but let's call it 500000 <laughs> uh, Who's counting? What's a quality between friends? Yeah, I, um, I love to like get the coronavirus and have a doctor like judge whether or not I get a ventilator by like how many columns I might possibly produce in the future. Like no, the risk the risk is too high. She might get a guardian column. So, yeah. it, doctor, it, we it, have to save w- him. He's achieved the rank of brain samurai. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 is it worth spending 185 billion to to save people who might only have a few years left? Nor yeah. is it worth a 15 percent drop in GDP, which will result in even a greater loss of life. Just attempting to balance yeah. perfectly the like stockbrokers going out of windows and the people dying for lack of ventilators. <laughs> because it's 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 all it that ha- all all of that has to happen. Uh, all of history is just one damn thing after another. Mm. It's as um, if to say because because you know there's going to have to be these triages of who gets a ventilator and who doesn't. It's as if he's saying like, why didn't we always have this? Why are we just starting this triage system now? This is great. You know what, eugenicists do you know what eugenicism is doing it is tying the people to the tracks in front of the trolley you you can then be like ah oh, it's so regressible that you have to make this decision but you fucking put them there right. <laughs> yeah if we'd invested money in getting ventilators at, at an appropriate time how many people would have been killed because the government spent too much money on ventilators snidely and they fucking go to their whiplash. job at the amazon web services factory <laughs> I, I, I just like standing there going like, well, this this state-run trolley isn't coming on time. Better privatize <laughs> it. Uh, sorry, you're saying <laughs> yeah. So like, if if we were to have a three percent mortality rate in the United States from COVID, if we just let the thing go, you're talking about the deaths of about ten million Americans, which is what Toby's arguing, right? He's saying just open it all <laughs> up, let it run its course. 10 million people will die, but it will be worse if we shut the economy down and see a 15% drop in GDP, which will result in a greater loss of life. That is literally not true. And we're seeing why it's not true right now, because you've got this core 
of essential workers right now doing the trucking, doing the logistics, uh, making the food, making the supplies, uh, doing sanitation, you know, all the important things it takes to, to let society like continue and survive. Those people are working and everybody else isn't. The reason why people die in an economic downturn is because, like Andy was saying earlier, our lives and not starving are tied directly to a wage, tied to the wage relation. All of that's up in smoke now. It's gone. Nobody can work anymore. So actually, why do why do tons of people have to die if there's an economic collapse? If we're not if we're if we continue to feed them, right? If we give them a UBI, if we take care of people in a way that we haven't before, I think the idea that 10 million people would die, you know, in a in a downturn is completely absurd at this moment when we need to be taking we should be taking heroic measures with like a two trillion dollar fucking bailout of the economy. Yeah, so, but then that uh, would disincentivize heard- them to take horrible slave jobs later. Yeah, why? Why are you? Uh, why are you untying people from these trolley tracks? That that yeah. takes away from my beautiful moral choice that I've created for you here. What you, you're Just, untying people from this trolley tracks, but what? What if the trolley tracks fly away when you don't have people tied to them? <laughs> yeah, it's Toby. It's Toby Young with the NPC mask over the really angry Wojak underneath with the lever in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just like never stood on a platform a waiting hours for a southern train that's delayed because Toby Young's doing one of his moral thought experiments again. <laughs> <laughs> just derailing it into like siding after siding after siding. <laughs> All right, I think I think that's uh, as, as good a point as as any to end. But before we do, I want to say number one, thank you so much, Sean and Andy, for coming on, and to everyone listening, you should check out the Antifada. Check them out on Twitter. Andy's check them out where you find podcasts. And Andy, you got a book coming out. Yes, buy my book. Buy it's, the book. Uh, it's out buy April twentieth. It's called "I Want to Believe: UFOs, Posadas, Apocalypse, Communism, or something like that." It's uh, oh, buy yeah. it in uh, all the bookstores that are open. Mm. Mm, yes. Buy multiple copies of it. Yeah, buy multiple copies and build yourself a two meter radius of the book. No, you can get it on. Uh, you, can, you can get it at plutobooks.com and use code Posadas twenty for a twenty percent discount. Boom! Mm. Build build a big target for the aliens to shoot nuclear weapons at us with. We need them now more than ever. Real quick plug also, um, I have started to do what Trash Future, our comrades, have done before us, which is to Twitch stream. I just taught Andy how to use OBS and to Twitch stream himself. You can find our uh, podcasts wherever podcasts are sold and where they're free, but you can find our Twitch at twitch.com slash the Antifada. We'll be doing about one or two a week. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, nice. Let's... Uh, Let's let's get on each other's streams, play some fucking games. Damn, let's mm. cross streams. Bitch. Hell yeah, baby! <laughs> also, uh, we have t-shirts. Uh, if you would like a a hot trash future t-shirt, very hot. It's very now. Um, yeah, they've been designed by uh, Matt Lubchansky, friend of the show, actual friend of the show, unlike Toby Young. Um, and uh, they're, they're very cool. There's a link in the description with uh, pictures yeah. and Cover details your shame. of how to order one. Yeah, we ship internationally. Yes. So if you're in Venezuela, order a shirt. I was on the cover of a local newspaper today wearing one of those shirts. Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. Oh, sick. Uh let's can we make that picture the uh episode cover art? It is not a good picture of me. Uh, so, no. Okay. <laughs> we'll you we'll just use that's naked not, Toby Young. That's not the shirt's fault. The shirt's great. Yeah, we'll we'll Photoshop Toby Young's face over your face. It's fine. <laughs> or just send Toby right. Young a shirt and wait for a couple of weeks. I'm sure he'll wear it. <laughs> uh, he'll still take a picture like Winnie the Pooh, no pants, no underwear, just the shirt. Being like, oops. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> 
no. Oh, no. What have I summoned into being? All right. Uh, we've, we've done enough uh, nattering. So uh, from our family to your family, thank you very much for listening. Check us out on the Patreon on Thursday. Uh, you, know, you know what it is. Uh, theme song, Here We Go by Jin Sang. More than ever, listen to it early, listen to it often. Later. Mm. Bye. Bye. Bye.